You're listening to Consolidate That. Ukraine is my motherland. It is now under a savage attack by Russia. Ukraine is shielding Europe and the rest of the civilized world from Putin's barbaric aggression. Ukrainians are brave and effectively fighting back. Let's help. Make a donation to Armed Forces of Ukraine. Link is in the show notes. Hashtag Stand with Ukraine. Welcome back to Consolidate That, Ivan. Great to see you again today. I'm, uh, I, I know you're getting over a bit of a cold that was given to you by the, the children, but so hopefully your voice sounds great for the podcast today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing I had left, the voice. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I'm going to sound like today, so that's why I'll shut up for the most part. <laughs> I'm super excited today. I have one of my favorite people in Galaxy on the podcast. She's a classmate of mine, Dr. Tara McCarthy. Tara is a veterinarian with 16 years of experience in private practice, both large and small animals. She has a background in health and wellness along with her career in veterinary medicine. Tara owns a CrossFit gym with her husband and an online health and wellness business with a team of over 800 people. Her particular passion is helping working moms, especially DVM moms, with their health and nutrition. In her role as a head of community engagement at Galaxy Vets, Terry is focused on attracting like-minded people that want to change the course of veterinary industry and live a life of passion and fulfillment. Tara, good to see you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I love how you think about the, and it's, I think, I think you're kind of cutting out the, the working dads. And I know that it's because it's not as hard, but, but the, uh, the way you're thinking about the whole life journey from sort of graduating, and then it's not straight line. Like there's things that happen after you graduate from the, uh, from vet school. And then that's why the phases are sort of changing and there's probably a different environment that needs to happen. So can you help us unpack that? Cause I'm fascinated about how you're thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've talked about this lots of times on the podcast, just about how vets are and the type of people they are. And they have this long range view of their career and they focus on their whole childhood. We're totally nerds. And we just are so laser focused on that career that really it it doesn't matter what anybody says to you in undergrad or during vet school. Like nothing seems to throw us off like oh i don't care if i'm four hundred thousand dollars in debt or that you know what i mean like we don't pay attention to that because all we can think about is it's you know we've been working towards this for so long and we're excited to basically save the planet through veterinary medicine and i think when you actually get out into reality that's obviously very different and you have to face that debt you have to you know maybe your career your job isn't as um, glamorous as you once pictured it and then as you move through some stages of life not obviously everybody but many people getting married having children um, moving for your spouse whatever it might be it completely shifts your focus in life and and you really have to pivot and then find a place where veterinary medicine is going to fit into that because it, it's it's not what you started out as. So, okay, so let I want to unpack this more and, and kind of talk about all those different phases because first you said that we're focusing on the career. 
I want to argue that because we actually in the vet school don't focus on career. We're focusing on education because career to me actually comes past that. And I think that that's the only goal that we're chasing to become a veterinarian. And then as soon as we graduate, based on our research recently that we've done, it looks like first five years of of actual work, this is when everybody wants to leave the profession immediately after they became a certain career. So, so what happens in those first five years? What do you think it is that that post graduation kind of changes the mindset? What it, what is the big surprise when we get into practice and people go, "Oh, this is not what I was expecting." What is different? What do vets think is different from what they envisioned it? Did they just read, you know, James Harriet when they were ten, and then all of a sudden, twenty years later, they're like, "Well, that's not what it was in the book." Like, what happens? Yeah, I guess I would agree with you. I won't argue with on that point with the education side. But I think it's like we're going to learn all this stuff and then go get to do it all. But let's face it, you don't get to do it all all the time because your clients are the ones who make the decision on what you get to do. And rightfully so. I mean, the animal is in their uh, ownership and they have to kind of fit what works for them. So you come up against so many walls. Um, one, I mean, the client's one of them. Obviously, the way your clinic is structured is another. But you end up running into so many um, barriers, I think. And you start to get frustrated. But then you're working a lot because, well, I mean, I was kind of lucky when, I don't know if I'd call it lucky, but I moved to New Zealand when I first graduated, which I love the lifestyle there. It was a great... I would say I was less likely to burn out in that type of lifestyle that they had there, even though I worked a lot, but I obviously didn't make the money that I needed to, to pay off my debt. Um, so then when I came back to North America and I started working kind of North American hours in large animal, you know, I, it was just putting in a lot of time and you're not necessarily doing the things you thought you were going to get to do. And just because there's so many other people who or not even people, but just the situations like they just it's situational control, I guess. You don't really get to decide what you get to do as much so as you thought you were. What what did you find was the I mean, besides the money, what did you find was the positive aspects of how you were practicing in New Zealand? And are there ways to carry that over to North American medicine? I would say for sure some of it. And again, that was a long time ago. So I'm sure it's changed there as well. Like veterinary medicine worldwide is way different than it was when we graduated 16, 17 years ago. Um, For me, they have generous paid time off, which is what Galaxy obviously is aiming to do as well. But every veterinarian there, every employee there, doesn't matter what you do, gets four weeks minimum starting and then it builds from there. So, you know the older vet that I was working with, she had eight weeks vacation at that time. And so you just have a lot more work life, like a lot of more life, I guess. And it was just a little more laid back. I don't think you get away with that now, just with the, the way society is and owner expectations and social media and that kind of stuff. Like you could, it definitely just, it just didn't have that same 
like you know if you were on call you could still go ride your horse on the beach and then meet the owner at the clinic an hour you know what i mean it was a little different so i think some of it for sure i think we could lighten up a little bit um and we could take a little more time off and not drive ourselves so hard but but veterinary medicine across the board has definitely changed since then so so let's talk about this phase so okay so you graduated all of us graduated and we kind of kind of dipped our toes in it and tried it we kind of got frustrated with a lot of stuff lots of euthanasias was for me because i was in er and uh you can't owners can't afford the stuff that you learn to do and then when you're trying to send them to specialists they can't afford that so you don't practice everything you learned but then also now the life starts happening and then you know People are at that age where they're thinking about the family. So what happens then? And and what are the requirements then? How do you need to modify your work life to actually accommodate for those uh, sort of family and marital changes and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that is, it's tough to answer because it's so individual based on whatever your life might look like. Um, speaking of the euthanasias though, like it was the same for me. Like uh, in New Zealand, there was a lot of home euthanasia. So I was a, I bawled all the time with every euthanasia because you're a new grad. And so then everybody wanted me to do the euthanasia because they're like, oh, she's so sweet. She cares so much. We want her to be the one. So then I was getting requested all the time to be the one to come do the home euthanasias. And it was terrible. Like, and then eventually your tears dry up. Cry. Let's bring her over. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that was kind of a tangent. But yeah, eventually, sadly, you have to close that valve and your tears just kind of dry up. Um, and so I think that's probably what happened to me. But regarding like the life, the life changes for me, um, I was pretty happy still to work myself to the bone, say, four years out, three years out, I guess three years out I was. Um, I was doing large animal at the time and I like during track season, I was working 70, 80 hours a week. Like it was, I was working a lot. Um, but I, I liked it, you know, and my, my work was my, they were my friends too. Like they were my social life too. But then, yeah, once I had a child, everything flipped upside down. It's just like, you have no idea what else is out there and how your life is going to change so much. And I just... <clears throat> I actually resented the profession quite badly for a few years. I, I resented that I wasted so much of my life to become a vet because I just wanted to be with my daughter. I wanted to have the control to be with her when I wanted to. And I was doing large animal at the time. And I just, I had a really bad period where I, she was about 18 months old and there would be days in rows that I wouldn't see her. I would be gone on emergency calls before she woke up and I wouldn't be home from emergencies until she was in bed. And I just was like, this is like, I can't do this. And I know it's different for everybody. And, and that work situation wasn't ideal. I was in a two vet practice and I was on call every other day and every other weekend. Um, but so, well, right there, sorry to interrupt you, but so right there, what would work look like for you to say, okay, if I changed at that point, being a veterinarian and I did, this what would that be like what would be that satisfying your parental life combining work with the young parent i think for me i well even at that stage i you don't realize what else is available because all you've ever known is veterinary medicine and so and for me i would say i grew up with teachers as 
my mom was a teacher, my brother's a teacher, I, like everybody in my family are teachers. And so, you know, I know they, they have a tough job too, but they have the summer off and they have holidays off. And I just, I just was so resentful, like that I couldn't even be sure I'd have Christmas off. Um, so I just wanted like a regular job where I knew that I would be home on time, that I knew I would have regular hours. And it just, it wasn't that at the time. And it's not like that for so many vets. So, so what, okay. So why then profession, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. Cause it's okay. Profession. Why can't you work like a teacher hours coming in, leaving on time, having the weekends, holidays, like there is, there are jobs like that in veterinary medicine. So why did you feel like it's a profession's fault, not your choices? Uh, I felt like it was my fault for taking that profession, but I will say, so I switched from large to small and then I did have a really good balance. But I have lots of friends that are in large and they make it work. They're probably in bigger practices or, you know what I mean? They have more people to share the on-call with and stuff. So I don't want to throw a large animal under the bus in any, by any means. It was just my experience there. But when I did switch, it was wonderful. We, we were a group of women. Most of us had a family and we made schedules that worked and we knew we'd be out on time. Except for the odd time, you know, th some things happened, but it was very rare. So what was that good experience? So what what is it that you've done and how you changed that at scale? Because we're in Galaxy, you're kind of in charge of finding people and inspiring them to do the right thing. And we're here on the back end are building the right thing. So what would that look like for the practices to schedule the right thing and knowing that we need to cover certain time as well and how to create that balance between people in the clinic so they stay accountable but then balance it in a way that you're satisfied for that period of life when you're when you're involved with your kids, especially when they're very young. Yeah, um, there's a lot there. And I think we've had some really awesome conversations within Galaxy to try, you know, and create this type of environment. Um, for me, starting out when I first started with a smaller position, it was very part time. So I was covering shifts that were covering the the lunchtime. So I was working like 10 till two. So I, a tech and I would cover those shifts through lunchtime. So everybody else could get their lunch breaks. And I was covering like some evening shifts when they were, when they, you know, most people weren't working. And then as my children grew, I started to take on more and more. The thing that worked for us. And I think with most happy clinic cultures is they have realistic expectations of themselves. We were all paid straight salary salary or hourly so we didn't have to worry and that allowed us each all of it like we there was five of us by the, when I left for galaxy and we all had our own niche and so we could focus on our own passions and not worry about how much money we were bringing in so I hate dentistry um, probably because I wasn't trained, but I, I never had to do one because I had one of my best friends who was a vet working with me at the, uh, she loved dentistry and she hated talking to clients. So she would happily spend all day out back doing dentistry. And I loved talking to clients and I loved lameness and like some other things. And then we had another one who loved skin. So we, none of us had to do the stuff we weren't passionate about or not good at. I mean, sometimes you did when they weren't in. But it was a really great way to work collaboratively, to bounce things off each other, and then ultimately to do the things in veterinary medicine that you love to do. 
and it just worked really Would you well. say that that's something you see able to scale as you grow the you know community engagement, which is great. You're the head of that that side of things for us. Would you see that as something you'd be able to scale and grow within Galaxy Vets and on a greater scale across the entire industry? Yeah, I think, I mean, ultimately it depends on the people that are in each clinic and sometimes heads are going to butt for sure. We just kind of all worked out to be in a similar stage in life and we, we all had different areas of interest. I think the benefit Galaxy offers to be able to scale this type of, of process would be that we are paying a straight salary. We're not pushing our vets on these commission-based pay because when you're on commission-based pay, it, you may still have a collaborative team and get along well with your team, but it does create competition. You know, the big billers are dentistry and surgery. So if you're not that way inclined or all of you are and you want to argue over that, you know, it creates a lot of unrest and conflict, I think, within the clinic and drives kind of the wrong behaviors in medicine. So I think, you know, the fact that we aren't focusing on that as much and we're allowing veterinarians to create their own kind of balance between work and life, but then also within the clinics, you know, it's going to create a lot more, more positive culture. So I'm going to throw in a couple bombs that you can step on. So uh, one, when we interview and, you know, I'm coming from a place I'm from Ukraine originally, the questions that are asked on the interview are completely prohibited in North America, even, you know, just putting on the resume and, and stuff like that. But so we can't, during interviews, ask people about their family situation, right? Do you have kids? Are you married? Well, you know, things like that. And I understand that from, you know, privacy and from everything that the HR stands for. But wouldn't, isn't that an opportunity to have a discussion where you are in your life right now? Not only do you, you know, what are you skilled at and just basically for your professional skills, but what do you look for in life? What do you need to accomplish your family life? And then basically cater the position, not for who we need, but for with this particular life situation, you could fit in our solar system over there where you can be happy practicing the things that you love as well as to find the work-life balance to accommodate to your life stage. So isn't that an opportunity? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yes, we can't directly ask, which is hard because as vets, like we love to just like get right into it with people and like ask those questions. So I've, I've had to learn those lessons for sure on the HR side. But you can, the thing I just love is just like asking people what they're looking for, like what they're passionate about, what they want right now. And you can do that without getting into their personal life and their family life um, for for what kind of hours they're looking for and, you know, benefits and that kind of stuff, paid time off. It's, it's not that difficult to do when you actually just sit down person to person and find out what they want. And, and I mean, with the shortage of veterinarians and technicians and, and all veterinary staff right now, I mean, you can't, you really can't be, you can't afford to be picky. Like you, you can't have people that are going to fit into slots anymore. You have to figure out, is this somebody who's going to jive with our culture and is going to be a great fit? And then how can we find that position for them? And I think that's what we are doing. And I think, you know, it's going to create 
a lot happier teams. And then as that person's life stages change, because all of us go through many stages in life and we don't know what the next stage is going to bring until you get there. And, you know, then you adapt. And I, you know, I, I love that. And I think that the concept that we're, that we're building out in our solar systems of having the choice to move around the practices. So you're not locked in. Maybe you love dentistry today and then you hate it in three months, but you're stuck in this hospital. And then to try something else, you could move on to do telemedicine. You can move on to do surgeries if you're that's your passion. If you don't want to see the owners and cut all day, you can do that. Or if you love emergency, but only once a week, there's also a choice. So, so I'm I'm really excited to see how that will work out. And actually, that will allow, I think, the population of vets not only in one hospital. And you had the, you know, I, I think it was very lucky that you had a mix of people that could fit their needs from outside as well as their interest on the inside of the hospital and mix it together so i think that it would be really hard to assemble multiple clinics like that but if you have a bigger sort of area to cover there's 10 hospitals you know 10 plus there's emergency hospital there's there's all of these things telemedicine where you can mix and match and find people that will fit i think we have a higher likelihood to actually find what we need for not what we need, but where to place the person with these particular needs. And I think that fundamentally changes the the hiring perspective that you're hiring not who you need, but you're desperately looking for the vets. And once you find out what their needs are, where you can plug them in so they're happy, which is I think that a lot of clinics need to overcome because otherwise we're interviewing people, we're having them for three months and then they're leaving. But the second kind of loaded question that I wanted to, to then ask you, do you think then when we're making a schedule, when we're making the adjustments, like by HR, you know, by HR rules, everybody has to be treated equally and everything like that. But what if you have someone who just has kids and then should the business, let's say if it was not a legal or HR issue, just, just, just human beings talking, right? So should we say that your single guy who doesn't have kids should have less flexibility than someone who is a parent and a woman that just had kids and there's more commitment there. So therefore in the scheduling, can you introduce that sort of inequality or that's totally off limit? Like you can't do that. Cause, cause to me, I, let's not talk about introducing inequality, but just cater more and say, look, there should be more flexibility to people that are constrained by their family situation or their life situation. Like would that, would that even fly from what you learned so far from HR perspective? Uh, so as a working mom, I think it sounds awesome. However, no, that wouldn't. And there's lots of conversation within the vet, you know, social sites and stuff. Cause not everybody chooses to have a family. And, and so it shouldn't actually be priority like that, that everybody has their stuff. And so maybe they don't have a family, but maybe they have a parent that they need to care for, or maybe they just have life that they love to live. Do you know what I mean? So, but I think exactly what you were saying when, when we have these solar systems and you have that ability to move around, then I don't think it will cause like people are going to have more flexibility regardless. And even though maybe they're going to be in that stage for a little while. So say a new mom who's going to want more telemedicine shifts so she can still bring an income. Um, that might not last forever because there's, I know lots of moms who <laughs> want to get out of the house and they want to go to work. So yeah, maybe initially they're going to cover more of those telemedicine shifts, but then, then they'll be happy to go back. Same with like, as their children grow, 
perhaps, you know, when they get to the college years, they're going to want to take some more ER shifts or, you know what I mean? So I don't think we can prioritize family, but I do think because we're such a high, a, a profession of a large number of women, um, then that is the reality for a lot of us. And so it's, it is something that we do need to address, but I, I don't think we can say it comes first, but I think it will be the most common reason. Yeah. And I, you know, that was a setup right there in my question, but, but the, uh, I think that the way that it's designed where people can choose that there's another thing that's hidden in sort of this gender difference is that, uh, if you were to negotiate and actually that's what happens in reality, because, because statistically women are not as good negotiators as men they they actually men win negotiation more and that's not my opinion that's actually from the course that i took at stanford and it was taught by a woman she said just know when you're in negotiations it that's just the tendency so so that also i think a lot of the gap you know inequality and the pay gap and everything else happening because it's just the ability to negotiate so i think even about the scheduling then that even puts you know women in a in a more difficult position because they don't negotiate not only they don't negotiate for their salary but also for the shifts they take and stuff like that so i think that also needs to be taken into account so this design that we're working through on the scheduling for a solar system i wonder if that will solve a lot of those things because people will with a big enough population if you think about 10 hospitals any are in the telemedicine i think it will shake out enough to get a population of people that there's enough people liking different aspects in the, that solar system to fill up all the schedule yeah i completely agree and i will say the first year i had to renegotiate my contract so i was going under year two with my boss i needed a big raise because i was trying to pay canadian loans with new zealand dollars <laughs> And I just cry. I couldn't even get the words out. Like, I just cry. Like, it's something, yeah, like, we're not trained <laughs> to do. And uh, not to say, yeah. I think women are getting much, much better at it. And especially, like, standing up for themselves and stuff. Now, especially with the vet industry the way it is. But, man, I am not a great negotiator. Next time, bring Ryan with you. You should see this guy in the rental car oh in, yeah we had a good we? time with uh i didn't know you can negotiate in rental car yes he did <laughs> so, it's all negotiable. that was amazing <laughs> well tara this is uh you know this is a great conversation and you know i think that we'll have more because i want to i'm really excited to see when we build these out and when we see actually how it shakes out so i want to mark this episode and be like okay well this is what we're thinking this is what we're designing and then come back to it and say did this work and then kind of you know check again in a year and then and and talk about it again and see okay this is what we learned yeah absolutely excited well thank you for finding the time i know you're busy looking for the talent to join us in galaxy and uh we're really happy to have you on this episode well thanks for having me guys thanks tara thank you so much for listening to consolidate that if you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at galaxyvets.com.